Hi, this is Jackie Asiwe and I work with SafeSource Africa. SafeSource Africa is passionate about conversations on Africa by Africans. Welcome to Community, the podcast where we, in real time, are engaging with what it means to share, support, and exist collectively in this time of COVID-19. You can catch us every Thursday on SoundCloud or on the SivSource website. Welcome to today's podcast where we're talking about community. And in particular, today we're talking about mental health or mental wellness and what that means and looks like in the time of COVID and what is changing or what needs to change and what possible outcomes there might be as we walk out of COVID. I feel this is something important to speak about because everywhere now people are suddenly more aware about mental health. In meetings that I attend now, everybody first asks, how are you and how are you really? We're suddenly aware that people do struggle with mental health and mental wellness. And that's why I, we thought it was good to have this conversation front and center. And to have that conversation with me today is a young, beautiful, powerful lady called Rita Auma. Yay! Rita, where are you? <laughs> so anyhow, Rita, <laughs> I thought you'd ululate for yourself. <laughs> but anyhow, Rita, um, for the listeners who don't know who you are can you tell us just a bit about yourself um i'm a i'm a lawyer by profession and i'm passionate about mental health i'm a mental health advocate i love to eat dance and sleep all the things i love (laughs) (laughs) yeah and almost in that order yeah in that order (laughs) So Rita, you're very welcome, and I'm glad to be having this conversation with you. I'm glad that you are our debut guest on our podcast. So we're we're making history as we speak right now. So tell me a bit first about what you broadly think about community and how you think it's changing or has changed in the time of COVID. Before the time of COVID, the community was less accepting of certain things uh, because they didn't affect it personally or it wasn't close to them. But during the time of COVID, um, it has been a little bit more welcoming towards the issue of mental health and mental illness because I think they're starting to realize that all these things are not just in people's heads. And now these things are close to them. They're seeing friends, they're seeing family go to read. And they're now reaching out and being more supportive and having the conversations about it to learn and unlearn different aspects of it. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and you think it took a crisis for us to gain that awareness? Yes, it took a crisis uh, because once it's not close to you, once mental illness is not close to you, you're less understanding about it. Um, 
a case example of my family. Up to the time I went to hospital for the first time, um, my brother thought I was still just being dramatic mm-hmm. and just attention. And then he said it. He was in so much shock that it was a real thing. Till it's in your sitting room, until mm-hmm. you're face to face with it, um, there's nothing much you can do. It's the other person's house on fire. Yours is fine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And so now during the time of COVID, what aspects of mental health are you seeing us be aware of as a community? Because I guess, you know, mental wealth, mental health and wellness is very broad. But what aspects yeah. are you perceiving that the community is becoming aware of? is becoming more aware of the fact that they need to take care of their mental health. This is the general well-being of the mind, so they don't go to the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also seeing the community understand that anxiety is a thing, depression is a thing, mm-hmm. um, PTSD is a thing, because they are now going through it in this time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. They are shocked that anxious, they are having panic attacks, and they, they do not know what's happening to them. So they're seeking out knowledge to explain to them what's wrong. Unfortunately, the other illnesses are not yet that put out for them because mm-hmm. they feel like, okay, now we kind of understand anxiety, depression, but like, what is OCD? Is it just an adjective I use yeah. for their love to clean? Mm-hmm. Um, what is ADHD? What is autism? Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they're understanding the common mental flu. Yeah. That's what they call it. Yeah. So, but at the same time, uh, Rita, I I still feel it's a mixed bag. So I think as we're confronting it uh, right in our living rooms, as we are locked down, on the outside, I feel like the policymakers haven't yet locked into it. I don't think psychiatrists and counselors have been considered essential workers during this time. So... Yeah. How, what what causes that disconnect between what's happening in our living rooms and how policymakers perceive mental health and mental wellness? Um, I think it takes a society to have a whole perspective change for a law or policy to come about and implement it. Because unfortunately, right now, um, psychiatrists, or therapists are seen as, uh, by the way, they're not seen as essential workers, and yet the, the people who are supposed to be at the front line are lot. And because there's a stigma from the public, from the community, um, the very people make our laws, the very people make our policies, so you still find suicide is a crime, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being noticed as an illness, the very last stage of a mental illness, you find that suicide or mental illness are not covered by insurance policies. Mm-hmm. So we're basically telling people every other part of your body can be sick apart from your brain, and yet the brain is the strongest and helps all the other parts, parts function. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, be, because there is 
no change in people's mindsets yet to that extent. We are seeing the policies still be oppressive and non-changing. Okay. And now speaking about the sorts of people that you've journeyed with in dealing mm. with their mental health, what has that been like to to support a community of those going through mental health challenges right now? Um, it's, been, it's been hard because ordinarily these people would have a support system that would get them. Uh, we hold support meetings um, drafted after that AA formula. So you're able to be in a space that forgets what you're going through and you feel supported and you can talk about it without being shunned or abused or feeling so lonely but now they're with their families and some are not even yet at that stage where they're able to tell their families that oh i am going through this i've been getting help and even though they say that um african families are more less supportive of it they'll think they're demons or they'll think somebody's bewitching you so they won't go for the medical perspective so um what we have decided to do is just have online support groups mm -hmm. where if somebody's going through something they're able to share and people are able to pitch in and the person tries out all these different things because what works for me might not work for them but there might be somebody who had something that they do mm -hmm. or a positive coping mechanism that helps them and that can help you. An okay. example, I've been struggling with my medication a lot during lockdown. Yeah, but I have friends who check on me and they're like, okay, it's now time to swallow your medicine. Mm. You have to swallow your medicine. Yeah, so having been in such a test is very helpful and just checking on the people one-on-one -on -one. yeah because basically when people are going through this they also don't understand themselves they're also confused so they might not communicate or let you know and the whole time you're like i'm here i'm here and the best way you can help them is just love them learn your friend's love language study it love them using their love language mm. and yeah in that way they, they they choose to stay or they choose to fight through it and do you know of any um i guess mental health specialists psychologists psychiatrists counselors who have um tried to provide a form of support for people in this time and do you know yeah do you know of any and how they've done it and like what that has been like and maybe some obstacles they might have faced or even just some positives of the work that they might be doing um i know of different people but i think the major the major issue they face one is stigma two is the funding people are not People don't understand it yet and are less willing to fund this. And the third thing is getting this help is very expensive. Yes, yes. Um, an appointment with a psychiatrist or therapist is $35,000 and that's the cheapest. Other places it goes to $70,000, $80,000, and $100,000. Yeah. 
not willing to sacrifice all that money to just see someone or talk to someone. Secondly, the number of psychiatrists in the country is very, very low. Some therapists, unfortunately, are more money-minded as opposed to helping the people, so they're less willing to give the help if you haven't paid or if you pay halfway. Yeah, but um, I know Sefses, Sefses Uganda, has been very supportive. I partner with it, and it's able to give discounts to people. Um, I know Mental Health Uganda, as of yesterday, launched a self-helpline for people so they can talk through their situations. I think they're basic therapists and all during this time. Um, there's also mind school conversations. They provide therapists to talk to um, a support system. And lastly, Broken Vessels Uganda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the ones that I know of. And of course, most of those that you've talked about are even Kampala-based. And we know yes. that Uganda is not Kampala. So I guess, yeah. sadly, that means that the further you get from the capital, the fewer the access to these kinds of of support structures. And yeah. uh, Rita, oh, no, go ahead. Which is hard because I was reading a report at the beginning of the year and it was saying Uganda only has 50 psychiatrists. And 30 of those are in Kampala. Wow. So the rest of the country wow. shares that 20 psychiatrists. And I was not sort of, oh my God, this is so sad. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. It, it goes back to the stigma that you pointed out because I'm sure, you know, when you announce to your parents, I want to do medicine, yay! there's a jumping and what branch of medicine psychiatry what are you sure yeah. like you want to deal with <laughs> mad people i mean that that's the perception right and and yeah. you don't proudly go around telling people oh my 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 partner is a psychiatrist or, or my child is a people look at you like oh you got issues so anyhow um but yeah so coming out of this uh rita and as we come to the close of our conversation and of course, this conversation continues um, way beyond today and way beyond our segment. But paint for me a picture of your mental wellness utopia. If you could wave a magic wand post-COVID, what would, what would mental wellness for our community look like? Um, if I could wave my wand, I would have more support groups for people. And I would have um, easy access to help and medication and therapy at a very affordable price. Mm -hmm. uh, because people are going through the most, right? By the time they can't afford food, like yes. they can't be able to afford this care. Mm -hmm. I would also have more psychiatrists available. And at least have a community that normalizes the conversation around mental health and mental illness. And yeah, I'll have the people going through this to understand that they're not their symptoms, mm -hmm. that they're not what they're going through. They are whole, loved, and amazing people outside all the symptoms and whatever they're going through. And I would have 
suicide helplines. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, suicide should not be a crime in my utopia. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, basically I'd have love. I'd, yes. I'd, I'd like to give everybody a bit of the love that I have. <laughs> yeah. So that they stay, yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask you one more question. I've been thinking about how, like, as a country and, like, with the history that we have, it's like our history is laced with a lot of trauma and a lot of what I feel like is undealt with trauma, um, particularly, like, just having conversations with my parents or aunts and uncles who lived in, 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 in Uganda at a time when there was war happening and hearing stories of how that's not necessarily trauma that they've dealt with because, you know, it wasn't something, it wasn't a necessity, that wasn't something I guess that they thought about at that time, like, oh, I've experienced trauma, I need to deal with this. And so I'm thinking about that in relation to what's happening now in the world with the um, the COVID pandemic and how, like, there's a possibility of us coming out of this lockdown or coming out of this pandemic and a lot of people in the same way in the past in Uganda that, you know, that, that, that level of trauma hasn't been dealt with in the same way they won't deal with it now. So, like, what are your thoughts on that and what are things that you think or you would advise are important for both people to do for themselves and mental health health specialists in Uganda to do to sort of um, address rather than just like bury what this experience has been for people? Um, okay, <laughs> that's a broad question. But one, I would advise the people to talk to someone. Um, the more you bury the trauma, the more it grows. Mm. Trauma loves silence. Trauma loves not to be dealt with. So by the time people understand or people are noticing that, oh, this person might be going through something, one, you've snapped. Two, um, maybe you're having very big memory gaps. Uh, three, you're just going through a phase or you're very suicidal. So you find that in the past, in a specific family, there would be many people who lose their mind. So mm. you hear terms like, eh, your family is balaru. Mm. That family is for mad people. Or your family, that family people love to kill themselves. It's not that they love to, it's just that most of them buried this trauma and had no outlet for it. So it grew and overwhelmed their entire being. And they thought of a way out. And the thing is, our brain works with us. Our brain works to make us comfortable. So if you don't want to remember something, it will be like, fine, it's wiped. Um, if you don't want to deal with something, it will it will cover it up so well. Uh, an example, by the time I got help, my therapist told me, way after you're just at the brink of running mad, I had this very huge memory gap. Uh, my friends used to think I was lying a lot, but my brain was creating different realities so that I'd be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So basically, your brain works with you, and recovery is a choice. It's very painful to deal with the trauma. It gets worse before it gets better, but dealing with it is the way to go. It's the only way to go. Until the person decides, however much you take them to get help, it 
choice. Okay. So Rita, thank you. You've raised very interesting points and, and questions that we must continue to contend with as a country. We've been confronted yeah. with the issues of mental health and mental wellness in this time, and it's up to us to create a different, more understanding space as we come out of this and onward. So thank you so yeah. much for your time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being our first guest on our podcast. Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> and we wish you very well. I don't know if you have a parting shot, and then we'll close it out. <laughs> No, I already give it, but I'm sending as much love, light, and virtual hugs to anybody going through a yeah. and all that, but get, please remember this too shall pass, so stay, learn to stay, get help, and accept help. Thank you so much, Rita, Thank and you. have a wonderful afternoon. Bye-bye. Rita has raised very interesting and important questions for us to ponder both in this time and as we come out of COVID. Just because we are more aware of our mental health doesn't necessarily mean we will do anything different, but we hope we can use this moment to continue to advocate for more doctors, for more access to therapy and counselors and other treatment. Like she suggests, we need a hotline for suicide and it should be decriminalized. And there are so many other things that we need to address as a community, as a nation, as we heal from this and other traumas that we have experienced. So the conversation continues. Tell us what you think. Tell us who else you think we should talk about regarding the conversation of mental health and mental wellness. 